Welcome to Safe House. In the Safe House studio today, we have the very talented Nathaniel Jones, everyone. Oh, thank you. The very talented. Oh, oh, comes with the whole description. Thank you. Absolutely. It has to. It has to. Before we start, I always, I mean, I can see it in your, you've put your pronouns in your little Zoom thing, but just so the listeners know, I always start by asking my guests their pronouns. Yeah. Um, so I use he, they pronouns. Yeah. Which feels very, very nice. And sure, you can get into that if you like, but yeah, it feels comfortable. Yeah, that's good. That's what we like. Com- and that's why I always ask. I'm also letting my guests do a little bit of introducing themselves because I feel like the best way to introduce yourself is to introduce yourself. So why don't you tell everyone you can go into detail as much as you want, as little as you want, because we're going to get into all of it anyway. Just tell listeners a little bit about yourself. It's honestly been something that I've like really had to train myself to be better at, especially <laughs> um, in like this this past month, uh, Edinburgh yeah. Fringe. Like I've, but oh god, I'm like rambling even before I'm like, saying it. So <laughs> I'll, I'll do the ramble off. I, I would at the moment describe myself as a writer, performer, and producer i uh-huh. i would say it's been very weird having to claim those those titles because mm-hmm. people ask you all the time it's like constantly every day kind of like oh who are you what do you do so it's been really really nice to actually be able to claim those job descriptions those titles yeah. um it's it's nice to have the confidence to be able to and yeah. to, to start using those those titles for myself i guess yeah, I agree. I feel like it's it's quite difficult as well. I feel, you know, when you're in school, sometimes young, young, and they get you to like kind of talk about yourself a little bit more. It's, it's quite hard. I mean, this isn't going to lend itself to anyone who's this podcast isn't going to lend itself to anyone who doesn't want to talk about themselves. <laughs> but I, I understand it's quite hard, especially like describing what you do, because especially as queer creatives, we always have our hands in a lot of different pies. So it's quite hard to mm. narrow down exactly what it is that you do. But it, as you said, it sounds like you've been given or been put in the perfect situation to kind of hone in on that yeah yeah i mean it's it's i I think it's more that i like shy away from like calling myself a writer and a performer because that makes it sound so like official and it also very much carries the the idea that i'm good at it um and i i'm I'm not (laughs) awful at it but um you know like i think the, the being able to say i am a writer especially with art especially if anytime you say like i'm a writer or i'm a painter to, to be like that is me when it's just really an activity that I do and but then to like go even further being like I not only do this but like that is part of my identity that I do that yeah um, is a crazy jump as I said it's very very nice to make mm-hmm. and I also absolutely love talking to other people and you know when you just when you're just like chatting to someone and you ask what they do and then they uh-huh. just like list off this ream of like <laughs> I'm a painter I do this I'm a poet I love when they say they're a poet and my absolute favorite which I will be able to do at some point in my life is have dj at the end i yes. think it's so chic yeah it is so chic to have everything <laughs> and then dj do you know what i mean like just right at the end just dj yeah even if it's like i'm a baker i do pottery i am a botanist but also i'm a dj <laughs> i feel like that's like the mega flex yeah obviously you're a creative and that's why you're here podcast all about creatives however because i know how life-consuming being a creative is i like to ask my guests what they get up to when they're not being being creative if anything at all uh, um 
Yeah, if, if... There's, there's the deep question you didn't want. <laughs> if anything at all. Um, well, I've, I'm actually in a bit of like an odd transitional phase at the moment with what I am doing. Um, so I've just finished four extremely okay. long years at university. So yeah, I kind of so yeah. I, that, I'd say that, but she's she's done. She's. I do want to pick your brains about that as well. So we will talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, at the moment it's literally my daily bread and butter. Uh, is doing this show and uh, thinking about what I want to write next and thinking about how to make my performance the next day better and very much all consumed and it has been since since my exams ended it's been like theater 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 just constantly but yeah hopefully hopefully in a couple weeks time I'll be able to give a really nice sophisticated answer where I say I do something that's completely not creative and and completely soul soul satisfying (laughs) in a way yeah so um, yeah very unfortunately no it's not a nice question it's not a nice question and I I ask it for a very particular reason and the reason is because I know what being creative Mm. is like and a lot of creatives don't give time to anything else because what they do for work is what Mm. they love they very rarely do anything else outside of it and I know what theatre is like you eat sleep and breathe it yeah and when you're not on stage you're thinking about what you're going to do on stage and when you're on stage you're obviously like well I mean sometimes you head somewhere else because you just have to like you know let it your thoughts disappear. Oh, I am when I'm um, on stage. I am so like this sounds so bad, but I'm like not present. I am. <laughs> I'm thinking about everything else. I'm like <laughs> because especially with the show that I'm doing now, I've done it so many times. I must have like hit my like thirtieth show of this of this one man show that uh-huh. I've kind of like I've written myself. So I've just I've got the lines there. They just come out of me. And like it's nice at some point yeah. to like be like, ah, oh, yes, I'm going to be present for this part. But most of the time, I just find myself like <laughs> just drifting off and thinking about what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. Whilst whilst the audience are obviously just in tears mm-hmm. at my very very emotional performance, you know. But um, not me. I'm not there. Yeah, and 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 I'm sure you do get tears. That's and that's very very oh, impressive. It, yeah, it's it. I have have yes some tears which have actually been far more stressful than I thought they'd be. I was thinking like, oh, you know, if people like if people cry, like how how like you know affirming and that it's so like you know my writing can do that but then when you actually have people come up to you after a show with like tears in their eyes and like they're like blubbering you're like oh my god I am so sorry I'm like I have ruined your day (laughs) um but I had my mum come to the show like last week and the show is very heavy or it gets very heavy and this was the first time that she's Mm -hmm. ever seen me like perform anything in my adult life and honestly it was I was ready for the tears but she 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 held through she was she no tears were shed I held through because I get got to some points in the show and I was like can't look at you I was like I actually can't if I look at you and you're crying that's it like the audience isn't there you know you've got the people that they can't see other people vomit otherwise they Mm -hmm. will vomit profusely as well I am like that with crying yeah if my if my mum cries I'm gone oh yeah no completely I'm a serial crier especially with people that are close to me I just I'd be no use I am yeah serial yeah no I'm actually a serial crier it's it's bad and I think but to be fair I feel well I actually don't think it's bad I love it 
I love like reading something or watching a play or a film and you just like mm. let it out and you're like and it always feels like so lovely and I think especially when it's live theatre mm. to cry at I think that is like so magical that you're like in that space and you're like reacting to the performance yeah. in front of you like you come away feeling like so whole like that you've just had th that emotional reaction to like performance I, I, I keep having this conversation with you it keeps coming up and and I think it's just because it is so relevant but I think the reason that I'm like so drawn to theatre and the reason that I like love watching it and love writing it is because like the world is getting so like, you know, like AI and technology and obviously like what we're seeing in the US right now with writer and actor strikes because um, like partially because yeah. of this rise in AI and entertainment regardless of that like you will uh -huh. never be able to replicate that like human to human connection in live performance and so i think i think that's why i like yeah. absolutely love it because you do have those like visceral reactions i honestly think can only really get from witnessing like another person doing it live in front of you and yeah i just absolutely like i, yeah, I think to me like that is every time i think about that and like think about just how magic theater can be and i think what i've tried to do when i create my own theatre is replicate the magic that I have found in other people's performances and oftentimes the reason that I like find some performances so moving is how intimate they can be with the audience so that's I think like that that is where yep. the magic of theatre lies for me is this idea of like that connection of of the the performer and the audience and I think when that is recognized so explicitly it's just even better yeah no I absolutely agree with you I absolutely agree with you and it's personal preference really because with so many different platforms and different methods of media there is options for different people people yeah. don't like the theatre I personally love it I'm obsessed with it I'm the one that sits there and when there's someone like talking or chatting away or like doing something too loud I'll be like an owl <laughs> the fuck with my eyes I'm like this staring at this soul please shut up and respect the theatre I am I'm very that I do it with my eyes where you know the shout being at Edinburgh Fringe <laughs> performing to fringe audiences is a very different experience to performing to, to people that live in, in the area like everyone at fringe is here for fringe so they are like a very already quite dedicated and loyal theater lovers would you say that the audience although they are more dedicated and, and they are aware of the etiquette would you also say that they have a higher standard it is it's a tricky one because some of them some of them do because some of them some some of these people are watching genuinely five shows a day it is wild mm. i have seen maybe one show a day two max but so some of these people have seen five shows a day so they are like very switched on and switched off at the start of a show they are like if, you know, they've just come out of this like very, very established performers five star piece and going into someone's first time show. So sometimes you can get audience members that are a little bit like haughty, especially if they right. have, yeah, if they've just kind of come from this, these like very like well established shows. But at the same time, I think, I think the reason that the fringe continues to like draw people in is the idea of it being quite grungy and people understanding that it's not the production value that counts, but it's the writing and the performance. So yeah, so it, it right. really, really does very like peaks and troughs of, of audiences sometimes. And, but I mean, they, they do know etiquette. They yeah. do know etiquette, but that is then what makes it worse when they don't follow it. Right. Okay. Like you should know better because you're here for this but, very reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, my friend like had this guy on his phone in the audience, but not just like looking down at his phone, like had his phone in front of his face, like scrolling, which is what? so wild. Yeah. So you know full well that they're doing that because 
they want you to know yeah, yeah, yeah. that they don't like it because they know that you're aware of it and that there's this kind of like unspoken kind of recognition between the performer and the audience mm. that you know that I know you know the rules. Yeah. And because you're doing that, you know that I know you don't respect me and you're trying to let me know that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, I mean? It's, it, it's like, it's honestly like, I mean, most audiences are like very good. You know, they're very nice. They do, they have a baseline. Like they, they, they get that mm. like to be here is a struggle alone. Like to get, I'd say the worst people, honestly, that has been, has, has sent me packing on the struggle bus daily is, is the press and how the press. <laughs> are in the audience and how they write as well okay. like press are usually the worst people in the audience right because they're usually like uh, some of them when they're like established papers they're usually kind of like very snobbish grumpy old men right and as i learned the other day usually very straight snobbish old men that can be quite homophobic <laughs> when push comes to shove and it's wild to see how my show and my friend shows have been perceived in certain newspapers. What is said about our show is entirely laced with homophobia. And it is really wild when it's like, when you read it. And it's not, it's not so much like at the end of the world. I'm not really too bothered about what press think. It's, it's nice for bookings, but that's about like for future bookings, but that's about it. But, um, yeah, like I had like some, I had a review a couple of days ago that was like, very i was like something's really off here and it just it was very petty in the article and what was it where was it from oh i couldn't possibly say it's been taken down now um you can, we, we can you can tell, i, I want to know I can, I can bleep it um, out it's they're called uh please do bleep that out they um <laughs> they basically like the guy fell asleep in the show for one you've not even seen it you've not even seen the show i know he was like, like asleep for half of it before you even read the article this guy has written an article based on a show that he's fell asleep in. So, like, regardless of how nasty it is or how kind of unrelated to what the show is that's being presented to him, you haven't even watched it. You fell asleep. I know, I know. Well, we brought it up to our press uh -huh. people. And thank God those little allies emailed him and they were like, take this down. So that was nice. Nothing to do with the show. This is what I was going to say about the review that you got and the mm. you were saying about the type of reviewer that comes from certain kinds of establishments those shows aren't for those people anyway so i know i know when you're I, I can understand from your perspective because it's your baby and you're putting everything out into the writing into the performing into the, like you know the marketing every, everything everything all your interviews and mm. everything so it, it can be quite disheartening to get those negative reviews but when you really think about it it's not for those people anyway. It's kind of like trying to feed baby food to someone who's not a baby. <laughs> like, that wasn't meant for you anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't lie. Like, I, I'm, I am very like, oh, no, I don't care about press. I, I couldn't care less what, what they think about me. But it was a rocky, rocky performance after reading that review. I was like, oh, God, uh, this, this, this man hates me. And <laughs> yeah, it, so, so it was the, the show after that was pretty rocky. But th then I kind of like shook it off and was like, you know what? Like, it's gonna, it's gonna be there. It has to be there, especially this early on in my career. Career, like regardless and um, it's not going to be plain sailing but yeah it's, it's been like such a learning curve to be honest really like being in edinburgh for the whole month and performing your work again and again and like really it being under scrutiny a lot because yeah. it's, it's it's very different than a normal show where you have one press night and then all the reviews come out i mean that yeah. is stressful in itself and i have done that that is very stressful in itself because you get like one shot to impress everyone 
Um, yeah. So it's nicer that it's spread out. But on the flip side, it means that every show you do is under public scrutiny, under articles that will be published. But yeah, I don't want to be like very like, oh, woe is me about it. I mean, it, it, it comes with it. It's a necessary part of it because it does bring in audience. It's just been a big learning curve of understanding how to internalize public opinions on your art yeah i will only get better and better at it hopefully um but it has been a big learning curve over the past month for sure yeah i think this is a really important point though as well is because it's so difficult even it this may sound like a stretch uh it's the only reason it's a stretch is because my creative or one of my creative outlets because i'm stupid and ridiculous and take on loads of different projects at the same time but with drag Mm. it's such a it's such a personal kind of reflection of what's going on inside my head of and and who i am and in the same way that this play comes from inside you and your brain Mm. and it kind of Mm. has bits of you in it it can feel like a personal attack when someone doesn't like it like regardless of like how they hold power in in what they say and and it you can't you kind of can't help to kind of take it personally and be a bit like well you knew you know your words are going to be powerful i'm like do you not want me to work ever again is that what <laughs> you're saying you just you don't want me to no it's fine you just don't want me to work but i think i think surely with drag that must be like 10 times as 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 hard do you know with playwriting i i mean i can i mean obviously you can do it with drag but like i like to fictionalize it as much as i want for me to feel safe I am a character. As soon as I say my last line, I'm done. I'm no longer that character in this fictionalized world I've created for like a character that is like semi like me and semi autobiographical. And then, and then that story is just done again and again. And it will resound with some people and it won't with us. And that's absolutely fine. But I guess with drag, it's like constantly evolving and like constantly changing every time you 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 go out in drag i would pose a a kind of reflective nature to drag and what you're doing to you mm-hmm. and what you've just described you could have been describing drag mm. yes you can take you can take your character off i can take mine off i can take the hair off yeah i can take the makeup off i can take the outfits off with drag there's an element yes you can take your character off but also you've written that performance and yes you can come off stage and not be that character anymore but you nathaniel were on that stage and you nathaniel are still the writer and the performer Mm. when you come off stage so it's it's when you think when you boil it down it is exactly the same yeah 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 i think I think, yeah, there, there is, I certainly find safety in my, my script. It feels, it, it's like a nice safety of being like, just say the words, get it done. Yeah. Like, I really have to separate the words from, from my performance. Okay. I think like once I, once I finish the script, I'm like, it is time. That is, you know, that's done. Now I'm the performer. I'm, I'm no longer writer. I am performer. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to, because I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later anyway, because I, I do want to talk about the play specifically and get into more detail about the play. But do you find it difficult? as a performer who performs their own writing what's that dynamic like because i don't think i've ever spoken to someone that does that yet um i feel differently about it every performance there's certainly been points where i've thought okay i'm not doing this again but then then there's other times where i'm like i don't know if i could could 
<laughs> you know, force anyone to, to say these words. No, I, it's, it is nice. It's, I think it's nice in the way that, like, for me, what I love about it is that it is, like, purely my creation in the way of, like, that, like, I not only kind of, like, wrote yeah. it, but I'm physically bringing it to life with my performance. I, like, need to be very independent and I need to be able to do things myself. So, to be honest, performing my own work is more a response to me needing to create my own work and what needing to rely on myself more than it is a desire to perform. I, I kind of performing right. and has, has very, very, it's just been like, a, I need to do it. You know, it's like, a, I want to get this show done. So I'm just going to perform in it because I know I'll do it. I can rely on myself that I will do it. And not that makes it sound like I have like massive, these massive like- Is that a bit of control freak coming out? I, th- I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, I think, you know, it makes it sound like I have absolutely zero trust issues, but um, it's more of... No, no, no. I say that from a, a fellow control freak <laughs> perspective, because if I could make my own wigs, make my own outfits, take my own pictures, produce my own shows, I would do it all myself. I completely understand wanting to write. Yeah. And then yeah. just being like, I'll just do it myself. It's fine. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And it's it's a resources thing as well. It's, you know, like, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm not being paid for this. It's like, it, it's very much kind yeah. of like, a, I am here to do it. I can do it. I'm happy to not be paid to do it. So I can't really like expect much. Yeah. So it's, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's, I've always kind of like, I guess, prided myself on the fact that I have this ability to create my work. And I think this just comes in the parcel of it. It is very stressful. Yeah. I mean, who knows what my work will look like if when I have money behind it, uh-huh. which has actually been like such, such a big thing for me in terms of like next steps. Because mm-hmm. I had the question many, many times of like, oh, what are you doing next? Like, what's the plan from here? And I'm kind of thinking like, what is the plan from here? Like, and I, you really have to base with this idea of like, do I start doing the work that I eventually want to do and start doing it now so it gets better and better and better when I do get there? Or do I do the work that is going to push me forward so that those opportunities are more likely to come? And I've kind of got like two shows. I've got like two tabs open on my, my Google Word docs and it's like one of them is this one requires multiple actors and money this one requires me and it's kind of like trying to figure out like the logistics what, of it yeah yeah and figuring out like just how much you can sacrifice the journey that you want to be on artistically because of the money i'm yeah. kind of well i've kind of conclu- concluded that i'm gonna have to just do another one on show yeah. and just keep trying to like push push my, my my name and brand forward it's hard as well because you obviously have goals and you have kind of an idea of where you want to go an original objective of why you started and i think it's just the kind of the navigation of because you do have to make sacrifices and you do have to kind of you know say okay i can't do xyz right now but how mm. can i make little steps to get to that point and i think that's what the kind of limbo situation is for you and a lot of other creatives as well yeah i think the the root issue with with that i think is that if you're sacrificing the work that you want to be making for logistics i think my my worry then comes in of like well will the work i'm actually doing for the logistics be that good or will it be as good as yeah. the th- do you know what i mean like i'm because i'm like i'm thinking like oh i need to write another another one-man show i need to because that is sustainable 
in terms of the resources and the finances it's a lot it's so much easier for me to do that i don't need to get rehearsal space i don't need to get x y and z i can just rock up do you know what i mean so but then at the end of the day i think like well i'm not really that much of a you know my skill set is not one man writing like one man show writing as much like i'm much better at writing dialogue and writing multiple people in a scene because it's like a completely different skill set so it's kind of being like well i'm gonna have to like keep going on at this medium of the art form that i'm actually not as good at so that i can then actually get onto the things that i'm good at I, i keep hearing this phrase which is like that you want the privilege to work and i think that is so true with artists and like creatives is that we're like fighting for the privilege to get the work that's the struggle really it's not it's not the work itself we want to do the work it's getting the work and like being allowed to do that work which is the hard bit so Mm -hmm. yeah isn't it ironic that Mm. the work we don't want to do is so easy to get but the work that we we have every every morsel in our being is like i want to do that i want to work Mm -hmm. but it's so hard to find anything yeah yeah and i think it's it's very much i think the working in like the arts has has been like a relatively new thing for me anyway i think like because that idea of like the work that you actually want to do being so far out of reach that you're like can i do it i mean it's only really been in like the past two years that i've been like oh like maybe i should actually just try and do that so it's only really been in the past couple of years that i've actually kind of directed my focus and ambitions into going into the arts because I've always performed I've always written but it's it's Uh only been since I've like actually been able to see some like feasible paths into the industry that I've like been like okay this is where I'm gonna put my focus and attention into can I can I interject yeah of course of course the thing that's going on I want what I want to be able to talk in in detail about what you're doing at the minute which is Sing River that you're doing at the moment mentioned earlier I've obviously had a little nosy round I've not seen the play myself and I'm hoping at some point it's going to be online somewhere or is it online somewhere um already we have a very very old version filmed that will never see the light of day well next time someone goes with like a really nice camera <laughs> get them to film it from the front row and then i will watch it <laughs> i am like kind of in talks and uh, strategizing at the moment of taking the show elsewhere good and who knows i mean as of next week i will be back in manchester um until i can find um a flat and a job in london so who knows maybe fate will be on the whole of manchester side who just you know really want to see sing river absolutely absolutely um, so so you mentioned earlier that you studied in Oxford, yes. but you're originally from yeah. Manchester, and you, as far as I'm aware, studied classics, Yes, which I had to ask my partner what it was, because it sounds very vague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but can you just, I th- feel like as well, because from the explanation that he roughly gave me, <laughs> sorry to be so ignorant about it, but am I right in thinking the kind of, because the play has like a British mythology mm. kind kind of theme running through it does that come from the classics that you studied is there is there kind of i want to kind of know where where the play came from i guess that's kind of what, what i'm trying to pull out of you yeah um yeah so classics is it's it's shortened for like the like classical literature and classical history um which is the greeks okay. and the romans so yeah so it was a lot of history and philosophy and theology of ancient rome and ancient greece kind of obsessed <laughs> maybe i need to remajor it's it uh be careful it is it's and I, well so the <laughs> 
the show is not based off mythology, but the actual, the, the, the kind of the thinking and the way that we think about history is very inspired by my study of classics. So like classics is really interesting yeah. because, you know, a lot of it is like these ideas that were very foundational. It, you know, it's like the foundations of democracy in the West. Right. And like the ideas of like, basically the, a lot, like most of Western Europe very artificially used the classical periods as their, their influence and their base for their own like societies and political systems. It's very interesting. But what I found the most interesting, which is also makes it very boring and very, very hard to study, is the way that <laughs> classics has been used. But the, the problem is, is that we don't study that. So you're constantly fighting against right. like a curriculum. So like essentially like the courses that I study have been studied for like hundreds of years. It's like the exact same text that people have like studied for hundreds of years in the exact same way. And it's all like, look at, look at this okay. Latin poem. Look how like interesting it is. And it would all be like all these very intricate details, but they never actually like pulled out and thought this poem is so important to how we view literature in the Western world. And we didn't talk about that. You don't, you don't really talk about why it's important now and why it still exists and why we still have these like very old manuscripts uh-huh. i kind of had that foundational idea of from studying classics of like how we look at history and how we're supposed to look at history and and the way that yeah. we very artificially construct history and how, how dangerous that can be actually like so the reason that we study the classical periods with the first century ad and the first century bc in rome and then like the fourth and fifth century bc in greece the reason that we want to study it and to have so many texts about it is because it was the peak of imperialism in both of those places. So that was yeah. when Athens had its whole like naval empire and when Rome spread across the whole Mediterranean. So that is like very much the reason. I mean, it, there was a lot of literature in like being churned out in that period anyway. But the reason that like we kind of deem it as important in history is because of that and there's like shocking shocking statistics about mm-hmm. like how at some points in the peak of the british empire like eight out of ten of the the international biggest governors in across the empire studied classics at oxford like it's like shocking just unlike you know like italy yeah during the like under mussolini they used classical texts to claim right to ownership of like parts of Africa because they were like well the Romans claimed that they were from these parts of Africa so we actually own these parts so like it's shocking like the way that it has been used and very artificially to like construct entitlement I can feel how inspired by this I guess maybe not the cl- maybe not the the topic of classics but kind of the I guess fighting it yeah because we, we just don't study it and a big thing like is that you you I got to uni I remember getting to uni and I I loved all of these texts, but I very quickly realized that we weren't studying the parts that we should be studying. Mm. And and I fell out of love with it very quickly because I was like, these texts are so important and so interesting, but you've made them irrelevant. How do you go from studying classics? And I guess that's where most of your writing and, and literature knowledge comes from. I feel like that's, that's fair to say. Yeah, 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 definitely. How do you go from classics to writing something like Sing River? Um, It was so like going forward, with this kind of baseline of the idea of historiography so like how we study history and why we study parts of history i got really interested in britain and i've always always been really interested in like british folklore and really yeah like oh no it's like as in like you know like it's actually like really not um it's so the more you dig the more you're like 
good god maybe this should be kept buried um it's very gruesome but yeah like i was always very you know as a kid i was like such a fantasy fan anyway and basically the so so the story that the the show tells is essentially one of i'm gonna have to spoil it for you because it's it's quite important but no, um, it's, i've got like a rough guide of, of of what the what the play is about but i feel like it, it's i'm mm-hmm. i need you to, to explain fully and mm-hmm. in order to do that you're gonna have to ruin it for me and for the listeners uh, oh, well, well, <laughs> and then tell well, us where we can find it online <laughs> well it's it actually came from like it, it's been something that i've kind of struggled with a lot growing up and it's always been the the story that is told has always been one that i wanted to explore and 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 i knew it was gonna have to be the first piece of art that i kind of like really put out there very publicly um because it's essentially like what the show does is it, it so it, it uses the idea of history and the reasons that we study it and it parallels it in to personal history and the way that we artificially create our own history to cover things up or how we carve something out of our own history so that we can deal with our present and I think a lot of it kind of came from when I had this kind of like spark moment where I realized that a lot of the things that I had gone through as a very like out fresh out the closet queer when I was like 16 17 I like suddenly had this Mm -hmm. like light bulb moment like a year or two ago where I was like I started to view it all completely differently all of these all of these events that happened to me actually weren't like kind of fun and for the narrative they're actually really bad and Mm -hmm. and and that like I I'd always shied away from calling myself like a victim of this and a victim of that but I'd like Mm -hmm. but I think it kind of got to a light bulb moment where I was like no I was and I'm like okay to it to talk about that and I felt it was important to so mm-hmm. the show really like discusses that of like what do you do when you realize that your past was a lot darker than you realized and you finally mm-hmm. come to this point years later for whatever reason that your body feels like it's ready to give you these memories back and it almost feels like a betrayal from your body of being like whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. that's always been like lurking but like why would you why would you give that back to me like why and like make me realize the truth. So the show does that in a very like supernatural way. But yeah, I mean, so so the show essentially focuses on the idea of consent and how I really, really struggle to articulate myself when it comes to talking about events where consent is blood. And do you know what I mean? Like I, I absolutely do. If I can kind of yeah, yeah. let you know that I understand what you mean, is is I feel like I, I more so than ever, I feel like I need to watch this play because I have had the exact same experience as yourself and possibly as well, actually probably most definitely mm. this character that the show is written. Gone through terrible things, mm. consent related, won't go into yeah. it. Not that kind of podcast. Well, it, it kind of is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is a safe space, but yeah. And it's taken however long, long periods of time to kind of, you know, you put it in a certain part of your mind or it disappears from your mind and you kind of haven't really put mm. it in any kind of place. And then one day you're like, oh no, no, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> like that, that's, that's, it, it was actually not great. And then that kind of fallout of trying to explain the situation and kind of, I guess, kind of justify the feelings that have come to you all of a sudden Mm. yeah 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 completely and i think and i think that's i've very much learned through writing this show and just growing up that sometimes you don't need to be able to articulate it fully and sometimes you don't need to give certain like very abrasive vocab to things that you don't want to claim obviously like as long as you're aware that it's it wasn't great but like i think what i try and do in the show is show that struggle of of articulating it and and i think 
I think it is something that honestly, I think so many queer people go through. And what I talk about in my show is the effects of that is that you feel shaped and you feel molded. But essentially, Mm -hmm. this character kind of talks all about this, but he doesn't realize he goes along thinking that he has been molded and shaped by love and his past relationships. And he's like, oh, I've been shaped by love. And that's really like made it hard for me to find love again. That's his struggle. He's like, I haven't been able to find love again. And I'm really struggling to do that. And I don't know why I feel so shaped and changed by this past relationship that I had. But essentially, it comes out in the, like through the course of the play that he's not actually molded by love. He's molded by the bad things that he had forgotten. He basically realizes that he's not shaped by love. He's not essentially like the way that he has been molded that he is ignorant of. He's ignorant of the way that he has been molded. He thinks it was from one thing and it wasn't. Um, but because of that, the consequence of being molded okay. is that he is str- he struggles a lot now and he keeps facing these things again and again, all these problems again and again. That He's like, why does this keep happening to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically doesn't realize that like because the first the first thing he ever came across of like love was bad and it kind of set a bad precedent. But because he's forgotten about all of those memories, he doesn't realize it's that. That's a very like long-winded way of going about it, but no. But I think it's I think it's so relatable that you wouldn't believe the amount yeah. of people that I've that I've spoken to whose first I, I want to say romantic, but not you know you know what I mean the the first kind of yeah, yeah yeah intimate there we go interactions or experiences have been negative ones and they have shaped how they go about their lives and how they navigate their further intimate experiences. But they don't realize until such a yeah. later time in their life that the reason why they they kind of come up to come across these kind of like stopping blocks of why am I struggling or why is this why is this the way I am or why am yeah. I doing this yeah. or that and it, and then they have a brainwave where they're like oh my god the reason why is because my foundations are fucked and I didn't sorry mm-hmm. I should probably like you know be more eloquent no it's but, true though they don't realize they're like that is why when you when you extrapolate it back to what i am learning Mm. from that my things i'm learning from at the beginning that's why i'm the way i am and it takes that time and then you and then you obviously got all the the rebuilding afterwards yeah yeah i mean yeah and i think it is just i think it's more heartbreaking that it is such a common thing for for queer people because i think yeah i think i think it comes from many i think it comes from so many things but a big one is obviously a lack of representation and the idea of like healthy relationships and education and knowing, you know, correct consent. Because essentially, like, I think for a lot of people, a lot of queer people, when they come out, they get their education from their experiences, not the other way around. Yeah. And they like, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't learn about, they don't learn about sex through like a scientific way or like a PSHE way. They learn it through men in clubs. Online like, forums, Snapchat, yeah. the club you know like randomers online like it's it's not yeah. it's not i mean I'm, I'm hoping that it's better now but that's how like we're kind of a similar age that's how i learn about queer stuff yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm fine now yeah. but like yeah and i and i think like the just like growing up like fighting yourself you like fight yourself a lot and you have to kind of you you know when you when you're queer you're like growing up fighting yourself and you're seeking and i think when you do accept yourself you're like seeking a lot of validation from everywhere and i think that then lends you in a lot of i mean that's at least what my experience was was that like i was you know once you kind of accept yourself you're then like well i need to kind of like grow into this person and i need to experience everything and i need to be validated in this and i need to keep going and like force myself into this person that i like have not been allowed to be Uh for my whole childhood 
And then I think at least that landed me in some pretty dodgy situations. And it seems from the response that a lot of people can relate to that. And yeah. the, and I think it's so under talked about. And I think it actually, honestly, is a very hard topic to talk about with the queer community because I think I I personally like even like even myself and I'm doing a whole play on this. Isn't it like I I would never want to like publicly be like the queer community is like awful for young people and you should never do you know what I mean? Like it's hard. No, and it's it, I understand what you mean because it's difficult to criticize the community that you're a part of because they we yeah. come under fire a lot. So it then seems like the fire is being started inside the house. But I feel like, say for instance, I'm 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 an analogy kind of person. Like you have a house on a street and people are always throwing eggs at your house. And you're like, don't fucking throw eggs at my house. That's horrible. It makes the outside Mm. look horrible. You spend the whole time cleaning it and trying to show everyone that you have a nice house. If the inside gets dusty and dirty, you don't not clean it just because you're like, like you don't want to let people know that your house isn't perfect. Like you look after it and you try and make it better and you, and you keep fighting the outside, but you're also working on the inside Mm. and trying to make the inside nice. Like that's what we should be doing is fighting that fight, but also looking at ways that we can kind of, you know, become better internally Mm. as well. That analogy worked a lot better than I thought it was going to (laughs) work. No, no, no. Perfect analogy. No, I think I hate to say it, but like I do think things like Heartstopper are like such a good stride in the right direction. As much as you know, it gets criticized, and I, I will also be one. Like you know, I, I cannot watch it. Like not only, I mean, as much you know, it's children's. It's kind of children's TV, but um, it's also like just not my lived experience at all. Like I can't relate to it in any way. Not in like a jealous way. I just can't relate to it. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's like this is very clearly meant to be like quite a relatable show mm. and like for like young kids and i'm like mm, this isn't i can't but apart from that like i do think like as much as it gets like prudish thrown its way all the time i think uh, i can't semi wish you know someone had kind of tapped me on the shoulder when i was like first come out of 15 and being like yo like you you, you can take this at your own pace and i think i don't know that it makes me sound very like puritan but like also i think the problem for me was that I didn't have any other friends who were gay at 15. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have my little heart stoppers that I could like go mm. through like these like teenage experience with with people my own age. And I think that's where the issue is, is that like, because you feel very mm. isolated as a queer child, yeah. you end up, and you, most people don't find that community until they're older. You end up seeking sources that are kind of not the most yeah, perfect yeah. And, sources ever. Like obviously, like in some situations, like that that community is like so great coming into a community that has, knows what you've been through and is on the other side of it, and they're like, you know, you you have such a nice community that is it's not familial it's not geographical it's like this very unique experience that you have basically all been through so it's so nice to like be Mm -hmm. welcomed into that community especially when you're really young but Mm -hmm. I think at least for me my experience was that it was like because I just knew very little other gay people my age that it meant Mm -hmm. that like I couldn't really pass those milestones of kind of rites of passages with other people my own age which then leads to like a lot of complications um yeah yeah no, I, I know what you mean yeah no but i know to tie it back to <laughs> sing river and i'm gonna do it is if if you if you were at the mental place that you are now with the kind of the clarity that you have now when you were 15 16 and you were writing sing river would be completely different sure. it would be heart stopper it, 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 it would be heart stopper yeah and that you're mm. writing from the place you are at right now because and, and sing river is the way it is 
because of what you and the character share, mm. which is those initial bad experiences. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's it's it's kind of a it kind of tells you where different people are different age groups are in the queer space. Mm. Like if that makes sense. Like you can tell that we've moved mm. so far and we've come so far, but your play gives a kind of reality check to people who don't necessarily relate to those kind of, you know, happier <laughs> shows, pieces of art. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I'd like to think that a lot of people have been able to relate to it, and and it is quite vague. I don't really go into too much detail in the show because I wanted to keep it kind of like slightly vague, his past, but you just knew, you just kind of are aware that it's like... yeah not great um so it seems yeah it seems it's a be, nod yeah yeah and and basically at the end of the play he is given a choice to either completely forget about it all and carry on without having to like carry trauma or he can accept it but have to like have these bad memories and have to deal with them um so it's kind of like it's, yeah he's faced with this very like supernatural question of like you can either forget all of your trauma but still be molded and like kind of live in ignorance and bliss although he very quickly realizes that isn't bliss um or he can like carry that with him yeah and i won't tell you which one he chooses um but um... no don't don't ruin it don't ruin it i feel like if you tell me any more, it's just it's. You, you I need to I need to watch day. it for myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And um, so we're kind of coming towards the end of, of mm-hmm. the podcast. But I usually ask what's next. But you did say earlier, and I did take note mm. that you don't like that question. So I'm not going to ask you that. I'm not going to ask you that. What I'm going to ask you instead is if there is anything that you've not done yet that you've either been wanting to do or you've not been able to do yet. That's my question. Yeah, I think I've I kind of actually be like weighing up with myself, like the possibility and just the realization that if I am a writer of a show that I am performing in, then bitch, I can do what I've always wanted to do on the stage. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like. I I'd be like really kind of like slowly but surely being like, well, I've always wanted to do this on the stage. So why can't I just do that on the stage? Like, do you know what I mean? Like I've kind of always wanted. You're the storyteller. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm kind of like at that point of being like, well, since childhood as a little gay child, I've wanted that like pop princess diva moment on stage. So it's like, well, if I'm writing my own material that I'm performing in, hand me the microphone, babes. Do you know what I mean? Like I've kind of, that's, that's kind of what I kind of want to do next is like yeah. really actually just like with Sing, with Sing River, I wanted it to be like my like debut, like into the professional world of hello, I'm very intellectual and I think about queer life and things in a, in a way you might not expect and kind of like, you know, be all a bit pompous about it. But for my next show, I'm kind of just thinking like, mm, I, I would like to just do things I've always wanted to do on the stage you know what does it need to make too much sense with the plot no because i have learned if you truly believe in what you are performing people will also believe in it in this very like weird psychological way i just am always aghast at my guests because my next question is always if you have any like lasting words for the audience but i feel like you've just given me them and everybody always gives me (laughs) like like fuck you I feel like you've just got this like philosophical like you know this air about you that you just every at the end of every sentence is um something to think about a piece oh, to, well know. I mean maybe I think I don't know if I'd claim that if you, if you could leave the because I feel like you've given me it but I'm gonna give you the opportunity mm-hmm. if there's any like kind of lasting final words that you'd give to the listeners from you Nathaniel Jones to writer, the listeners producer 
performer, everything else that we've spoken about so far, if there's anything you could leave them with, mm-hmm. what what do you think? What would it be? Oh, no pressure. Um, I know. Um, oh, honestly, um, I think <laughs> for me, it. But uh, as in, like, I think, well, kind of what I've been talking about is, I guess, the idea of really forcing yourself, at least, kind of like onto your path and like forcing yourself down it, which is what I think I've been trying to do. Of this, you know, create your own work. Don't rely on other people to do it. Because I like. Do that you know one. what I mean? I like that one. Like, I think, especially with some of the theatre that I like, absolutely cherish and remember. You know, I think about all the time. It has been one person with nothing else but the stage and an audience. And it has blown me away by their performance and their words alone. That is such a, not only like valid, but also just incredible art anyway. Mm-hmm. You honestly do not need much to create your own work. You just need yourself and figure that out. Obviously, you know, I don't want to get into the finances and the strategics of it, but uh, but yeah. No, but I think, I think they're lovely words to echo. Once the listeners have finished the episode and they're all the way through, they've gotten this far. I think those words, I think they're fabulous. I I think that's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You are a writer, so it makes sense. If you were shit with your words, I'd be very surprised. Well, yeah, you'd be very surprised how um, it can get very flustered very quickly. Oh no, no! I've had, it's been. I think it's been absolutely amazing. I've just enjoyed, you know, pecking your head and and getting into your brain a little bit. And I feel like even though we've talked about so much and in detail so much, there's still so much we could just talk all night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, thank you so much. I've, yeah, I've had such a wonderful time. No, thank you so much for taking time out your day as well. And as far as I'm aware, you're back in the show tomorrow until. Yeah. Yes, yes, I am. Until the 29th? Is that right? 27th. 27th. Until Sunday. Thank God. Yes. Well, good luck with everything. Keep Edinburgh fringing. And I will speak to you very soon. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.